Hello, this is Real History with Melissa, and today is Thursday, the 12th of October, 2023. And it is the second Thursday of the month, and so that means that I'm on with Neil Foster. And we're excited today to be joined by Angry North and Boris's Bitches, a really excellent uh, songwriter, singer, doing some great protest music. So, hello. Hi. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> hi. <laughs> Thanks for I'll, having me as well, of course. I, I yes. thought Neil was going to say hi as well. Oh, that's oh, you're the guest. <laughs> you're the guest. I'm very polite. Well, I'll generally. just mention, too, that he is from the northern part of the UK, and so we've just been having a little bit of offline chat about accents and so forth and so that so now you you all know as much as I do so do you want to just introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about you yeah okay so um yeah I, I write uh protest music what you could call protest music or just honest music honest songs started doing it in um 2020 really I, I wrote one song the year before but it was really all sparked off by COVID uh, or COVID or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I've written about 30-odd now, and, yeah, that's 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 what I'm up to. Well, <laughs> it's, we, sorry, I'm freezing a little bit. That's okay. We have introduced a few of your songs to this audience. Most recently, we did Because Now You're Dead, which I have to say is just a brilliant um very sad, thought-provoking song. And then the episode before that that I was on with Neil, we did I'm a Woman. So we also, at one point uh, early on, I think when Neil first introduced me to your work, was Human Obedience Training, which is an excellent song and kind of sums up quite a bit of where we're at and how we got here. But what I... Yeah, am, thanks. Yeah, what I'm really curious about it's because you said that the protest writing and performing kicked off with convid but i'd like to just hear you talk a little bit about when the light bulbs started going off in 2020 you looked around you saw other people reacting what what happened what were you observing what was your thought process and how did you decide this is what i'm going to do yeah okay so I didn't take long, well, I didn't take any time at all to be suspicious. As soon as I started seeing um, and hearing, because I don't watch mainstream news and I haven't for years, or, or, or if and where I do catch it, I'll be extremely suspicious of what I'm being told. So as soon as I started hearing everyone talking about this this thing, even people I consider fairly switched on, I was thinking, well, Obviously, this is going to be used as a power grab. Obviously, this is going to be used to coerce people into taking big pharma products like every other supposed pandemic or epidemic has in, in recent years and probably probably for 100 years or more. So I was, I was immediately suspicious So because I've been sort of wary of big pharma products, wary of authoritarianism for a long long time so so yeah, i was i was just suspicious straight away and then what was really surprising to me was like a lot of people will have said 
just how naive and sucker-like just about everyone around me was. I think that shocked a lot of people who were, say, like us, and maybe we're still reeling in shock from that. And and I I am still reeling in shock because... Where I live, we're, we're in a village, it's a nice village with some very nice houses and the nice big gardens and, and so on. And people are very comfortable. And what, what I saw then in that, in that spring of 2020, the behaviour, you know, the people crossing the other side of the street and all of that stuff, but also literally people closing their gates and putting signs up saying, you know, don't come near. All, all of that stuff, I just, I just, I was so shocked and disappointed by it. And now what's just as shocking and disappointing, but it, but it goes on every single day, is the fact that these people still have not, most of them have not begun to say to themselves, was I maybe a little bit conned there? You know, was I maybe a little bit tricked? Was this all really a bit of, a, bit of an abuse maybe? Was I, was I a bit of an idiot? Most people don't even start to go there. Of course, we all know the reasons why, and it's down to kind of, some of the inherent weaknesses of human nature, but it, it, it goes on. Um, so yeah, it, I, I was, I, I was, I was in a, I was in a little band, a little band I'd only been in for a, a year or two, because it was kind of my. I've been through some difficult years, um, you know, financially and life and stuff, and I'd finally got into a place where I felt things were going to be okay. So I, I, I thought, let's bring, let's have, get some music back in my life and, and enjoy myself again. So I was in this little three-piece rock band and those two guys were just absolutely hook, line and sinker, tyranny lovers, tyranny enthusiasts. They, they just, th- there wasn't any part of them that was able or willing to question any of it. And instead it was the kind of rabid um, preaching and regurgitating of, you know, state and mainstream media um, talking points and, and snippets like they were all gospel and they just couldn't, they were not anywhere near beginning to question any of it, whereas I was the complete other end, so we just had to part company with them pretty quickly. Um, and it was just after we'd done our first gig, basically, about a couple of months after we'd done our first gig. So then, yeah, that's what, I, 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 within, a, within a few months of sort of acclimatising, I to the new reality, you know, I kind of thought to myself, well, I, who knows what's going to happen over the next few years. I do still want to live, and I've, I've got back into feeling like I wanted to pursue music again, and um, I'd never really written a song or anything. But I thought, well, I'll, I'll, why not just... The other thing, of course, that was dead frustrating was all, the, all my rock heroes, you know, all my rebel rock heroes... We're all completely silent, nothing to say whatsoever mm-hmm. on any of it, and it was so that was so heartbreaking as well. You know, just about everyone I knew in life, you know, friends, everyone I knew through work, the band people, and all my rock gods. You know, they, they were all just selling the government lies. So I just, I just thought I've, I've got to just put some truth out into the world. It's just my version of reality or realism and common sense just put that out into into something out into the world and 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 have a go so that's how it started you said that it was obvious to you that this was a tyrannical power grab a tyrannical big pharma push 
why why do you think that was obvious? I mean, you, what is it in you and your background that made you able to see when everyone around you was dead blind to it? Well, just exposure to normies or normaltons or, you know, the, the, the dumb masses would, would call conspiracy information over many years, you know, so I'm just aware, you know, ne never let a good crisis go to waste and, and, you know, the fact that you need fear to sell, um, to sell, to sell your product and your, your product being willing slaves walking into further enslavement and, of course, you know, uh, lining up for the, the, the literal shot in the arm so I, I just it's just common sense to me like you know like never trust a politician like never never assume they're working for you or have you it's just to me my, my world view is is so far that way I, the way I see it it's just I'm just realistic about life and the nature of government and the nature of you know human beings and and all of that so it's yeah I got on the kind of path to kind of probably try and answer the question. You probably what 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 you probably want want to know. I went to see David Icke when I was um, 19, and I'm not by any means a David Icke disciple. Just to get that out, but at that time, 1995, I think it was, um, he was talking about you know. Freemasonry, secret societies, Bilderberg Group, Trilateral Commission, uh, all, all these kind of issues and, and you know, long-term long -term agendas and the long-term move towards world government and, and so on and all, and all those things. This was before he was talking about reptiles, <laughs> good, couple, good couple of years before he, before he went on to that. Oh, that's how you rope them um, in, you know, get, you give them truth and then you spin them off in a wild direction. Yeah, well, I, I, I have got a very, still a very open mind about just about everything. Uh, so I don't, I don't, I don't rule out. I don't know that there are not that these, that the, you know, that there are not these elite bloodlines who, who are part reptilian. I don't, I don't rule that. I mean, I don't, I, I, I don't feel that it's been proven. Don't get me wrong, but I don't, I don't rule it out either. And in a way, I feel like it's not really that much of a core issue. And it, well, it's still not a core issue to me. And in a way, the, the, the real core issue is is the public and what we do to ourselves and what we how we fool ourselves and allow ourselves to be fooled. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I, I know people have got suspicions about David Icke and what his purpose is, what his function is in, in, in the big scheme of things. But uh, it, it did open my eyes anyway. And then from there on, I've you know listened to and followed so many people over the years. I can't say. I've followed Alan Watts' work, I'm afraid. I, uh, I think I might have caught bits, and it's, it's difficult to say because it's over such a long time period. But I believe he, he went on Alex Jones a few times, didn't he? Yes, he did. Is that right? Yes. So did I. Yeah. <laughs> so did I. Yeah. You did as to well. My, to, my, to my regret, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so I, I, I probably did. And something about the website looks definitely looks familiar to me from a while ago. So I probably ended up on the website years ago, but but anyway, yeah, it's I, I've been kind of like let's say not a newspaper reader for a long time, not a, not a BBC news reader and believer for a long time. So your your whole adult life has been questioning the 
official story on everything. Yeah. With yeah. a very skeptical, cynical eye, yeah. Okay, good. Much like myself. Much like myself. Yeah. I mean, when, when the, the COVID thing first kicked off for me, the, the first the first time they ever brought the figures out of how many were infected and dying in cases and all that, I just got a calculator out and, and in front of my wife Paula, just like, da, 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 this is nonsense. Because the numbers mm. didn't, didn't match up with anything they were saying. Like, ah, this is nonsense. But as you say, common sense. Common sense. Uh, people seem to have uh, lost it altogether. There is no common sense. Uh, or, or people would have worked this out by now. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the real crazy thing, isn't it? People that still haven't worked it out now. Um, you know, the disappearance of the flu, the fact that almost everyone I know who's been affected by the, the scandemic in any way has been affected by the vaccines. They've not been affected by... Am I allowed to say that? Depends on what platform it's going to go on, doesn't it? I don't know. I don't know. When you put this on YouTube, that might cause a problem. But that they're, they're the casualties I know about, whereas I don't know anybody who's been permanently harmed or has died from this supposed killer flu thing. And, was, and of was, course, the flu having disappeared, the, the actual flu coincidentally disappeared after all those years. You know, you're talking about the way that people want to fool themselves and then hang on to the fact that they've been conned, denying that the whole way. And I remember speaking with someone that I knew who had bought it all, and she said, and the flu has disappeared. And I I, I thought that might be an opening there, but she said, because people were locked down and then masking when they went out. So it not only was something that was fighting COVID, but it really more or less got rid of the flu. And so I thought, well, that that must be indicative of the way a lot of people justified what to me was just ridiculous. And then in terms of fallout, what we're seeing now is everything when they first started talking about long covid in 2020 long covid the symptoms of it were just a person who had the flu and couldn't quite kick it there was congestion upper respiratory discomfort uh, exhaustion you know muscle aches that kind of thing that just went on for longer than a normal flu but now everything from blood clots to kidney failure you name it, has become part of the long COVID disease description. So it well, allows people not, who've been they're, conned... They're now trying to pu- yeah, go ahead. Sorry, they're, they're now trying to push the concept that uh, we should all be wearing masks now to stop any respiratory virus in the winter. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, how, how long is it going to be before they say, oh, there's respiratory virus in the summer and the spring as well and, and the autumn? Uh, you just have to wear it all year round. Well, they've, they've, they've been having a go with that recently, haven't they? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, this this summer, literally a couple of months ago, um, saying there's a rise in this new variant, etc. And it's like it's the middle of summer. Ne- never in history before has it been a an issue in like temperate climates or whatever that what you've got. This is this is how this is how uh, ridiculous it gets here in Florida. Uh, last week at work, I'm, as uh, people on here know, I'm, I drive for Amazon, unfortunately, but um, it's. Uh, they claimed that the Canadian wildfire smoke was coming to Florida. I thought, how is it, how is it getting all the way down here with southern winds? That's, that's quite remarkable. And uh, one of the drivers, who is, uh, to put it mildly, is pretty lazy, 
complained he was feeling sick because of the smoke in the air and he needed help with his route. And I just thought, what, you know, people believe in this rubbish. It's, it's just any, the stuff that's put out in the mainstream media these days is, is so obviously, uh, overhyped, uh, lies, uh, blatant lies that any, anybody with, again, common sense would say, hold on a minute, what, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Like the flu disappearing. Well, they were still off in flu jabs. Yeah, yeah of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's the thing, all. yeah. So what, it's, what, it's almost like, it's almost like they're taking, taking the piss out of people with, with the ridiculousness. But they're sort of testing how strong the, the, the denial instinct is. And, and you know, the, the saying, it's easier to, um, you see, it's to a, a man uh, than, than convince him he's been fooled. Yeah, I've got that mm. on my T-shirt as well. And uh, I've got it um, because it says um, I've spelled out the the actual the the proper um, phrase has the words C O V I D in in the correct order, and I've highlighted those those letters on the back of the T-shirt. Ah, I specifically, okay. I specific, yeah, yeah. Um, in that in that phrase, the word COVID is spelled out, and uh, I've highlighted those letters COVID. And it's on the back of my T-shirt because I thought, you know what, I've got nothing when I'm standing at the supermarket checkout that people can read on my back. So I got that put on the back of a T-shirt for people to read at the checkout. And I had people tap me on the shoulder saying, what does that mean? I says, well, exactly what it says. Neil, you've got to take a picture of the, the back of that T-shirt. And you've mentioned a few of your T-shirts. I think it's time that we share those visuals. you got to take some pictures and we can use them. Yeah, I, I saw some good T-shirts um, on people as well at the uh, at the uh, you know the height of, of lockdowns and stuff. There's some there's some really burly bodybuilder guy in a white T-shirt, and he was the most brilliant, brave uh, writing that he would just written on himself with a black. I, I can't remember what it was now, but it was brilliant. I thought, yeah, yeah, it's great to um, sort of. Just try and do something to, to, to slap people in some way out of their slumber, isn't it? It is. And Can't always know, do it, but it's worth a try. Here is the thing. Neil, are you still there? Yeah. The, oh. the, the T-shirt I've got on now is uh, adults wearing masks is stupidity, but children wearing masks is child abuse. Uh, that's and that's, okay. that's got quite a bit of attention. But uh, as I said uh, before we came on air, uh, there's not one person who has stopped me to disagree with anything on these T-shirts. It's only people that agree. Isn't that interesting? Because during this whole COVID thing, mm. they'd be the first ones to jump on you and tell you to put a mask on. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But they, they, they won't dare stop me in the, in the street or in the, in the store and say, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? It's only the people that agree. Um, Neil, uh, it's interesting. On a related note, I heard you say on one of you guys' talks a month or two ago. I've tried to find time to listen to as much as I can, but I've not had that much time. But I listened to this one thing. You, you mentioned that basically no one ever stopped you going into supermarkets no. and, all, and all that kind of stuff. No. Um, that's brilliant. I, I don't know. I think you've just um, got to... I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just one inch short of six feet, which I was at 15 years old. I thought it was going to be a giant. But uh, I stopped at five foot 11, and I've, I've worn black since I was 15. I don't wear any logos, nothing like that. And uh, I guess I, I just, I act confident. I just walk, I, I just go about my business, act confident. I'm not aggressive, but I don't look like somebody you want to get into an argument with, put it that way. 
Yeah. And that what and it works and it works. Yeah. Yeah. But even, even me, I don't think I'm a particular. I mean, I, I'm. Uh, I, I, I'm I'm five eleven as well, but I, I I don't think I look I look intimidating in any way. But I I also never went into a supermarket without a mask. Uh, sorry, with a mask. And and yeah, I, again, you know, you see you see people in there. It, it's 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 such a shame to see um, people you know people who think of themselves as alpha males or you know people who think they're tough guys and. In, in, in a supermarket, muzzled oh, up. Yeah. And those guys would never say anything to me either. I, I had very, very little... My wife was an absolute trooper. She went everywhere. And she went to many more places than me because she's out and about like, during the day, during the week. Uh, she went to... She probably went into, you know, four or five times as many shops as I because she likes going to shops as well. Um, and she, she never wore a mask the whole time either. And she just, she just win everybody over by just smiling. Just smiling innocently, happily, and she had hardly any challenges as well. Because, um, you know, I think a lot, a lot of these people, they would, they would talk and sort of, they, they definitely, um, criticize you from afar to other people and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of them just really don't have the courage to, um, to, to, to challenge. Obviously, a few do, a few absolute zealous, um, you know, mentalists. But anyway. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's like, a, as I say, I think I mentioned it probably in the same broadcast that I, I, I deliberately be walking up the wrong, the wrong way in the supermarket, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, scuff, scuffing the signs off the floor, you know, those signs yeah. off the floor, <laughs> scuffing them up, and 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 nobody ever approached me, nobody from Walmart, nothing, never said, oh, you're, what are you doing? You're not allowed to be doing that. Nobody. And I thought, My well, friend. Why? You know. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, 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 my, my, it reminds me, my friend has got a kind of challenge that he has with his kids to get them to remove COVID signage. And, and he had it from quite early on, so it's like a family game. You know, they, they go and get a sign and take it off from a shop and he'll, he'll give them a couple of quid and, and all of that. And they never <laughs> had any hassle. He's very, he's very brazen doing it himself as well. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's, it's, it could move them on to you, less cameras. I think a lot of it too yeah. has to do with attitude because I'm, I'm a small woman. But when I was up in Canada, and I had to go into a building that had a metal detector. It was a, like an office building. And this was a normal thing, probably, you know, normal in our lifetimes, post 9-11 normal. But they had a metal detector. And I was preparing to walk through it, and there was a very tall, big security guard standing next to it. And he whipped out one of those thermometer guns and put it towards my face. And I didn't even think about it. It was completely just a, a gut reaction. I pushed his arm away. I, don't, I didn't touch him. I just waved it away. And I said, don't put a gun to my head. And he said, he was, he was taken aback. He said, well, I have to take your temperature. And I said, no, you don't. I just now took it, and it's fine. I'm, it's normal. And I walked through the metal detector, and I just went on about my business. I did kind of catch him as I was going through the detector out of the corner of my eye and he he was totally taken aback because the the trouble with what we all lived through is very few people resisted and so authority and these little goons they got used to having their way and pushing people around if enough people would have said no 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 you can't do that well I mentioned before walking walking into Walmart and they put the butchest woman they could find Outside, I think she must have been ex-military because she was standing with her legs apart, with her hands behind her back, as if she was standing at ease and on the, mm. you know, on the on the 
doing their drills or whatever. And uh, she said, oh, you, know, you can't get in without a mask. I said, well, watch me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. Just walk past her. That was it. And then yeah. what are they going to do? They're going to start, you know, hauling you at the store? Well, uh, I, in, in the UK, I have to say, uh, everyone I know who was resisting, like me and my wife were resisting, um, we all had, we all had at least one or two or more, like, real challenges from staffing shops and things. My worst one was actually in Holland and Barrett. But um, we, we've all had, we've all had a, at least a few. So, yeah, maybe, um, I, don't, I don't know if there's any, any real difference. I mean, on average, it could just be like coincidence. But, yeah, but, yeah well, it wasn't, it wasn't Holland, dead easy. Holland, Holland and Barrett's a pharmacy, isn't it? Or a, is it one it's of a health food shop. Health food shop. Health yeah, food. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. So yeah. they want you to not to not to not breathe properly, so you can be healthy. <laughs> well, I think I mentioned it on here before. I think as well. I was I went to a a, a pet smart a pet store uh, down here. Uh, I wasn't going in for anything because uh, I didn't need it. But he he wanted me to go with him. So I went with him. He put his mask on. I just walked in, and they they told me I couldn't get in without a mask. You know, I said oh, that's fine. I, I'm not buying anything anyway. So I stood outside, and the the, the lady that told me I couldn't get in without a mask came out and said we've got masks inside if you want one sir I said no I don't want one and then this couple walked past with a dog right and they they walked right in the store with the dog and I said are you aware that that dog licks its own its own behind mm-hmm. and uh, you've just let it in your store but I've got to wear a mask are you kidding me <laughs> and she had no clue what I was talking about she didn't see any any anything wrong with that at all mm. yeah yeah, well, that was uh, common sense, just absolutely absent. Yeah, and joined up thinking. Well, again, it's, uh, yesterday I was in uh, Aldi's. We've got Aldi's over here as well, and uh, I went in there for a change. And they've got self checkouts. I don't go in there very often. I don't know. They've got self checkouts here now. And they had one lane open with a person on it. And uh, she goes, "Are you paying cash or card, sir?" I says, "What does it matter?" She says, "Well, I-, I can help you if you've got a card." I says, "Well, I've got both." I says, "What's what's the difference?" She goes, uh, well, I can help you with the self-checkout if you've got a card. I says, I'm standing in this line because I don't want to use self-checkout. I'm trying to save you a job. Mm. And, she, and she said, uh, and she just didn't get it. And she went in a real bad mood because I wouldn't use a self-checkout because I was giving her work. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I, you just can't get through to these people. I just cannot get through to them. I'm, I'm trying to save your job, uh, you know, ma'am. I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry I'm trying to you know, keep your income for your children or whatever. But uh, I ain't using self-checkout. Oh, you're a bad person. You know. That's it. They'll fight tooth and nail to avoid beginning the process of even thinking about what you said. <laughs> but, yeah. So when you decided that you were going to start doing this, had you are... Well, first of all, the band members, they bought into yeah. everything. So did this disband in a kind of an ugly way? Or, I mean, I, I'm assuming it would be hard to maintain a friendship with people like that yeah well to be honest um you know we weren't we weren't dead close anyway i think it was okay musically like i I had enjoyed just for the first time in my life really just trying to treat it as a craft learn their songs do the best job that i could do and i and i got better because i previously just messed about and I never really tried. So there have been some good things about it, but I didn't really get on with them brilliantly. We got on just about well enough. They were a little bit younger than me, and I think they definitely thought that they were a lot more cool and a lot more metal than me. 
so anyway, when it, when, when, when this all, oh, the thing that kind of sparked it for me was how into it they were and the fact that the two of them were doing acoustic sessions. You know, these, all the, everyone was doing lockdown sessions, like remotely trying to jam and play with each other, which is impossible with all the lag time and everything. Just an absolute mm-hmm. mess. But not only were they doing that, these lockdown sessions with each other, but one of them was wearing a mask inside his own bedroom. <laughs> thinking, <laughs> thinking he looked cool. And I think that, <laughs> yeah, that was probably the, the, the final straw. I just thought, <laughs> I can't continue ever with these people ever again. So, so they got a, they got a, you know, a nicely worded message from me just saying how, I completely disagree with it. Um, you know, I was as polite, I was as respectful as I could be under the circumstances. But they, they, they took, they, they basically sent me a message back saying, oh, we never liked you anyway. But yeah, I, I mentioned to them, you know, uh, forced vaccines. And this was dead early on. This, but it was probably March 2020. You know, what, what would be coming and, and what it was all about. And, um, the fact that their, their compliance wasn't wasn't going to be helpful for the world or anything. That so, was it. Never to be seen again. Sounds like the Offspring. But they they uh, sacked a drummer for the same thing, didn't they? For oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly yeah. the same. Yeah, yeah, I watched one of his videos. Yeah, he was he was basically the same story as you. They didn't want to talk to him again after that. Mm. You know. Yeah, and they were good I think friends. Right. Yeah, that's I'll it. tell you who else as well. The um, the drummer from Shed Seven. Right. who I really like. I've always loved Shed 7 um, as a band. And, and the drummer, I used to think he was so cool as well because at the end of every gig, he'd somersault off, off his drum kit into the, <laughs> just, you know, ne- nearly fall into the crowd. It was a bit of his kind of party piece. But yeah. I, I've always loved the band, but he did the same thing. He just said, I'm, I'm not doing it. So they did a tour and, and they, were, they, they carried on and did the tour. And he, he was not going to do the tour because I think at that time the, the venues had this requirement that, everyone had to be or, or some it seemed to be not coming from the band themselves but the band were going along with it and he was saying no I, w- I can't and I won't so I'm, I'm just not doing this tour so I, I mean, obviously I had even more respect for him because there were so few musicians weren't there out, out of everybody mm. out of everybody well, with any real reach well, like, so like, few that said anything about it yeah like you said earlier the, the, the ones you thought were the rebels like um, not the Dead Kennedys I'm trying to think of um, Rage Against the Machine Rage Against the Machine were insisting that the audience were vaccinated. Now, mm. come on. <laughs> if that doesn't tell you they're controlled, <laughs> then, you know, you know, uh, if you do what you tell me. But, <laughs> yeah. but take your shots. Take your shots. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that, w- so, that yeah, was such a part of the whole operation that was necessary was to have famous musicians and actors or whatever Come Neil Young. Neil Young was on Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I used to love Neil Young and now will not ever listen to his stuff again. Used to love, yeah. used to play him all the time. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So anyway. Well, it's, not, it's not even, it's not even like intentional. I just literally feel like to use the, the horrible phrase, these people are dead to me now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's, uh, I felt that pretty much from the start and yeah. Yeah. Maybe they'll have a, a they'll uh, all get together and have a dead aid concert for all the people they've killed. <laughs> dead aid. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah let me ask you a, a question about the song that you wrote. Because now you're dead. Did you have acquaintances or friends or family or anything that 
inspired that, or was it just a general? Yeah, no, comment? I, I, the amount of time that goes into like just conceptualizing a basic idea for a song is is really short, usually, and then I spend a lot of time on lyrics, and but it's all split up over a long period of time, and I'm always working on several at the same time. And then, and then again, very, relatively very little time on the music itself as well. But that, because um, now you're dead, the only, that was just literally based on, you know, um, on BitChute and I think Odyssey, there's this channel called Bootcamp. Um, they're, they're, they're constantly, well, it's, it's footage from that channel that I used in the video. And it was just literally, I, I see, I see those videos of just, you know, these people who have been vehement, zealous pushers. And viciously criticizing anybody that doesn't, that didn't comply, that didn't take it. And then they end up dead. And, and not only there, but there are other channels sharing the same kind of thing. And there's like the COVID blog and things like that that I, that I look at now and again. And there's just so many examples that I've seen of people who were, you know, zealots, um, who had no respect for anybody else's human rights, wanted everyone to take this thing and then died coincidentally. And of course, you, you can't know. In every case mm-hmm. or any case, whether mm-hmm. whether it was the thing that did it, but but it's just, it's just so many examples. Uh, it really looks like it, especially younger people, young, fit, healthy people, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, it was just literally looking at that, and I thought to myself, I wonder whether at any point, like before they died, did they start to think, did they start to twig on, maybe just on their deathbed, or maybe if there is reincarnation, do they know it now? And I was just thinking, I was just, I was just wondering that, that question to myself. I'll, I'll write a song about it. So that was all that was. All that was. So, I mean, you, you mentioned you had uh, a few songs in mind that you wanted to talk about. you want to start on them? Well, you, you're making me sound like a, a, a self-promoting um, go-getter. <laughs> Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> you could do this on sales. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. Hey, you're, you're not all over, aren't they, with the, the mainstream media's promoting you, so you may as well do your own thing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I did think of a few. I guess the ones I'm most still proud of or and all that other people have, have liked a lot well actually Melissa you, you mentioned we see that you agree you still make us slightly curious you're in prison poked and pushed You hardly ever make a scene or cause a fuss You've something close, it seems, to love for us We pretend we give you your two cents 
that's never true And it's never our intent On our plans you never make no dent And you accept them and we'll take that as consent So we see that you agree You'll comply with any vile decree That's quite a recent one. That hasn't had much people playing it, many people playing it. They might just be put off when they first hear the first four bars or something because it sounds pretty miserable. But I, I do think, I do like that as a song. But ones that have been more, like, praised and are worth a listen, if people wanted to check out um, just a few of my songs and, and have a, a few priority ones to try out, Operation Depop. That's a good um, one, yep. You line up for all the juice we put in you. Putting up with all of what we put you through. Forgetting any lie, no time, or believing every lie was true. Giving up control. Of every little thing you might do Thinking down is up If we tell you that's true Choosing the pleasing lie That we want to do good by you That's different on you While the carbon we won't 
consumption. Stop your emissions. There's literally speaking to the masses who comply with their own destruction, and like from a from the elite's perspective, who want to do away with them. I think musically that's that's a good track. It's got some. It starts off very calm, but it's got some it's got some fire to it, especially in the sort of midlay bridge section. And that's that's somebody else was was sort of saying some nice things about that recently. I thought, yeah, it is a good song. Um, there's this, this podcast in the UK called Starfish Troopers Podcast. And he's played it a couple of times, apparently, and he played it again recently. And, and he, he complimented the video on that one as well. So that's Operation Depop. Another one, uh, Totalitarianism, mm-hmm. um, which is just kind of the perspective of just wanting to say, as if you're talking to the obedient compliant masses um and we know what 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 they think because they're so unwilling to consider that that they might be wrong we know what they think of us and it's sort of the song kind of recognizes that and acknowledges that and and it tries to boil it down you know what just let's lay this out what i'm concerned about is totalitarianism and the removal of human rights for everybody, including you. And that's what's going on here. And if you can't see it yet, what the hell? But it's quite a catchy song. I think, Neil, um, didn't we, wasn't that one of the very first ones? Didn't we play a little clip of that? Yeah. 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 There's a song for all the normal out there. They still don't see what's going on. Or just can't admit that they've been so wrong for so long. Second hand sound bite. I 
I think with that as well, like um, the, the the totalitarians, if if you want to call them that, or the bo- the bosses or whatever you think they are, um, they're doing all this out of fear. They they are scared of us, or they wouldn't be trying to get rid of us. That's you know, that's the way I think about it. If um, you know, if if they had nothing to worry about us, they wouldn't be doing anything to us. But they just leave us to get on with it. They they don't need uh, they don't need. How can I put it? They don't need money. They don't need wealth or anything. They can, they can have all the stuff they want. Uh, they can live in their own little bubble if they want and just get on with life and uh, enjoy themselves uh, without lifting a finger to uh, to help anybody or or to even you know work a day in their lives. These people, because uh, none of them do actually do any work. Uh, they get us to do it for them. Um, yeah, but, but they, don't they, don't, need us. they don't need us anymore, do they? No, they, no, they don't. don't I also, I don't think that the totalitarians, I don't think that they are afraid of us. I think that what they are afraid of is the rare individual who can see. And Well, the, the idea. The, uh, the, somebody it, coming up with the ideas, obviously. If somebody, if there, if there is few voices here and there, pockets of resistance, they just have to kill us all because the rare individual actually can throw a spanner in the works. You mm-hmm. know that. Yeah, I think yeah. they are. They are. They are afraid of an awakening, aren't they? Right. Especially, especially with what they've done now yeah, over the last three years. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, Alan used to say, you know, that he had two enemies. The, if you want to call them the elite, but the the gangsters who plan and implement this, and then all of the masses who comply, who go along with it. So the individual yeah. who is who sees it for what it is and doesn't comply and resists and wishes for other people to resist, the we're we're kind of alone, stuck in the middle. Yeah, I saw I saw uh, somebody do an experiment. I think it's been done a couple of times. Um, where there's a big crowd of people in a park and somebody's playing some music and one guy gets up and starts dancing. He's the only person dancing. And it's not until the second person gets up and joins them and then everybody joins in. So it's, it's not necessarily the first person that steps forward and, uh, you know, questions. It's, it's this person that backs them up that gives the rest of the people around the confidence to do the same. Because if there's only yeah. one person, they're going to say, oh, no, 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 no. He's, he's just a lone nut. 
and then you see another person step forward and go, oh, well, maybe he's not so mad after all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this whole this makes me think about this whole sort of question and an area of thinking about like how society breaks down in terms of true independent thinkers, people who are genuinely of a totalitarian nature, the totalitarian personality, or maybe it's called something else, but the people who literally are just so intoxicated by power so easily that they just love a bit of it, they'll do anything for it, they've got no conscience, uh, and they're you know, separate, kind of order followers, not not the hardcore kind of sociopaths and psychopaths, but that, that portion of people who, who are really dangerous. And then these middle people who could be swayed quite easily by kind of the more awake people if there are enough awake people and they're making enough noise. I think that whole, like that Matthias Desmet said in one of the talks, a video, uh, interviews he gave about how it breaks down or something, but that, that portion of people in the middle who could go either way is really significant and they don't need that many people like us maybe making noise to be able to sort of join us or join our way of thinking and, and swing things more towards freedom. But, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. Obviously, all the, all, the, all, all the brainwashing, as we've acknowledged, I think, it, it's done a, it seems to have been incredibly successful and done an amazing job and, and, and the, the fact that there are all these people who still aren't asking themselves or, or facing, beginning to face the fact that they've been conned isn't, isn't particularly encouraging. No, I, th- I think the, the, the people, the, like you're saying, they, they don't want to admit they're being conned. And I think they get yeah. into, the, into that mindset that uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to come out as the first idiot. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to step forward and tell everybody I was wrong. Because, uh, mm. because, you know, because as soon as you do that, those people are going to start attacking you. Might have attacked us for years for for speaking the truth. You know, they they don't want to be put in the um, in the circle of friends. They don't want to be ostracised, so they just go along with it. I think we we might have mentioned that we were going, possibly going to talk about, or maybe we didn't. But this is making me think about people like Dr. John Campbell and Asim Malhotra and people like that because they did what just what you've just what you said really, didn't they? In a way, but I I, I don't trust those people. But, no, I mean, yeah. but they're, they're, they're examples of, yeah good um, but yeah they, they, they did you, you could argue that they, they, they have kind of and actually there's more isn't there there's far more there are, there are some doctors over there that initially pushed it and then have, have gone back and claimed sort of um, ignorance if you like or you know I had good intentions but but it, I was mistaken you know, I don't know everybody's backstory, or you know, you, you can never see inside to the soul of a man. But in the case of Asim Mohatra, if I'm saying his name correctly, he didn't bother to be moved off of his position until it hit close to home with his own father. At this point, mm-hmm. where where he thought, oh, okay, well, I I don't want my dad taking that injection. You see. I, when it gets close to home, some of these people have moved, but where does that leave all of the millions of people that you influenced because you were in a position to influence people to do something that was going to end up with their grievous bodily harm? So basically what I'm saying is that when when people switch sides, so to speak, f- for me to give them 
a, a pass, they need to come out pretty emphatically and say, I was wrong, mea culpa, I'm so sorry, please forgive me, you know, and that I've seen very little of. Absolutely. I, I, I'm exactly the same, and I feel like, I'm sorry, but repentance, it, repentance is required, it's due, mm-hmm. and the thing is as well, they're not really even usually apologising for the right for, for the right thing. It, it, even if the vaccine had been safe and effective, informed consent still matters, and it always matters. It should never have been overridden. And, and it was you, know, you can't we can't just say that I'll see him get off because he says, well, I realise it was dangerous now. Well, no, it, that's that's not that's not really the point. Mm-hmm. The point you know, the point was. We all deserved informed consent, and it was obviously untested. Or, or as from what we know, you know, it can't possibly from, from the official story even it can't possibly have had long-term safety testing because that requires a long period of time to elapse, which obviously hadn't elapsed. So yeah. there's just no no excuse. So like people need to people need to need to apologise on like, the fundamental points before I'd give them a pass. Yes. So I'm really suspicious about a lot of these people and. and- they need, they need yeah. to use the right language as well. They need to come out and say, um, this, this thing is murdering people. They need to use the right language. They can't just say, oh, it's, it, it's, it's causing adverse events. No, it's killing people. Yes, you know, I know. And it's, uh, it's deliberate. Yeah, it's an deliberate. adverse event sounds, you know, an adverse event is when I have a flat tire, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean, as I say, they're not just. Yes. Yeah, or a sniffle. Yeah, well, well, be careful with that. Don't tell anybody you've got a sniffle. My God, it's yeah. yeah. impossible. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, they, no, I've never heard any of them come out and, and say I was responsible for um, injecting this at people who have died. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's right. You know, yeah. they, they wouldn't admit that. Yeah, my mantra. No. Yeah, there's, there's a song title. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. it's actually it's kind of touched on in a way in Hard to Make a Living, which uh, mm-hmm. Melissa mentioned earlier mm-hmm. in the yeah. first verse, which is about um, doctors. doctors. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, what's it, the lines go, uh, giving death shots in the arm, shitting daily on my promise to first and always do no harm. Yeah. Which is, yeah, yeah what they do. Yeah. Well, I'd like to be a doctor and help people to stay well Using knowledge, care and wisdom, following evidence as well with the purest patient focus, no products I'm obliged to sell. But I know it couldn't work like that. It would not go well. Consumed by guilty qualms But I'd reassure my victims daily So they'd stay confident and calm I'd close my eyes to all those outcomes Keep giving death shots in the arm Shitting daily on my promise To first and always do no harm Cause it's hard to make a living While staying honest and true Only doing things that voice inside won't 
when you do. I mean, especially and the thing as well with them, they they must have. It, it, it makes me think. I, I think about like um, nurses in the NHS now, like the ones that where you get the occasional, um, you know, whistleblower. Uh, talking about how they keep seeing this, they keep seeing that, you know, working as a cardiac nurse. Now, we're seeing loads of young people. We never used to see any young people. That's one nurse, but they must all, you think they must all talk among themselves. They must all go, hey, this is weird. This is new. We know this never used to happen before. It's the shots, isn't it? But And, and, then, and then they would, you know, speak and come out en masse, but, but they don't. So the, the, the level of denial that's going on there, and they all must be reinforcing that denial in each other to yeah, such a massive degree. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're basically all prepared to cover each other's back, and uh, none yeah. of them's going to step forward and say, no, we were wrong. Now, all, all these, like we discussed many times about the doctors, there's something wrong with them. There's something wrong in their minds um, to carry on doing this, because they must see the fallout. They must see yeah. it. Even in their own private surgeries, they must see... You know, yeah. myocarditis cases increasing, uh, cancers going through the roof, whatever, whatever it may be, yeah. blood, cl- blood clots. You know, they must see it, and and yet they will never ever admit it was them that caused it. Yeah. No, and you see, I, I also think, um, and this isn't a benefit of the doubt or giving them a, a buy or anything like that. It's just that I think that the doctors have their own unique brainwashing that they get through their so-called education. Because remember now, for several decades, so much of the education, so much of the focus is on pharmacology. And yeah. they are they, they just are basically glorified drug pushers. And then they have their organizations. You've got the Royal College or the American Medical Association, and they're all pushing this. We'll just say Rockefeller, for lack of a better person to blame it on, but you've got one system, and they all get their training on this one system. And so many of them, I mean, my brother was telling me about he had made an offhand remark in the chair at the ophthalmologist, and it was just kind of an offhand remark about lockdowns or something like that. And this doctor launched into a 15-minute tirade on how they had to do what they did to flatten the curve. And it just went on and on. And my brother said, you know, he was thinking to himself, just pull my eyeballs out and let me go. You know, can I just leave? Mm -hmm. But the... The doctors who really did have a change of heart, I mean, I know one who is a pathologist and he had the, uh, one of the shots, uh, it might have been the, the Johnson and Johnson, whatever that shot was called. And then because he was a pathologist, he tested himself, you know, for antibodies immediately. And then he tested himself three months later and he had no antibodies. And it was at that point that he began blogging about the unfairness, the inappropriateness of mandating this or having vaccine passports because he said, there's no, when, when you have no antibodies three months later, there's no immunity conferred by this injection. So, but mm-hmm. people like that were, well, we know how, how few there were that took, that did the right thing. Or that admitted that they were wrong. And he even went on to get in there and dissect the training and the complete disillusionment that he had with all of these bodies that he had been raised to respect like the CDC. 
They, they really, they, you know, so they have their own unique brainwashing. Again, I'm not giving them a pass. I'm just trying to understand it. Maybe we should yeah. move on to the next song because this certainly won't be going on YouTube, will it? <laughs> uh, I no. If if we if we do get to Oliver Anthony, then we can make a little clip for YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you send so, me on to the next song? Yeah. What's the What's the next one? Because we've we've kind of covered uh, a lot of vaccine stuff, and uh, YouTube won't uh, have anything to do with it. Oh yeah 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 okay uh, oh so so try and okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, hard to make a living, we just touched on. Human obedience training, you mentioned earlier and you've played it already. Yeah. And that's, that is one I'm, I'm still quite proud of. Well, the reason I chose, the reason I, I mentioned that one is I, I think uh, when we first played it, I mentioned that, uh, you know, human obedience training comes right from birth because your, your parent, you know, will take you to the, to the, uh, the, the hospital or the doctor's clinic. You've got to get weighed, you've got to get this, that, that. Um, so they, the parents have already been trained in what they've got to do with the child. And uh, mm-hmm. the child grows up thinking this is perfectly normal when there's absolutely no need for it. And uh, mm-hmm. as they get older, they go to school, they get trained at the school, their parents tell them, you've got to go to school, you've got to do your lessons, you've got to do this, you've got to pass your exams to get a good job. It's, it's, it's instilled in the mind of the parent that they've got to instill it in their child. And it, the process just keeps going round and round and round. There's no... There's no um, expectation that that child can can grow up from birth to adulthood with any mind of its own. Yes, I think everyone should follow the rules. It's not complicated. Rules are rules. Yes, I'm happy to wear a mask. And I just wear one now because it makes you a good person. Doesn't it? Oh yes, I take every injection that's kindly offered to me by our owners, I mean government. Again, why not? They always want what's best for us. They love us. And they know everything. We're very lucky. A social creature, you need to feel you're part of a pack. When blending in with the flock, you feel protected from attack. Copy what others do, energy saving, thinking hack. You prefer to defer to an authority figure, we make use of that. You used to say never to me, never again, but now you're no more free than a battery hen. You're a born jailbird and when we say the word, you're in the clink again. Train to wear a muzzle when we allow you out of your pen. Then we can tell you it's no longer required, but you'll still put it on again. Your own life's the thing you're helping to destroy. Pulling your strings is a thing we enjoy. Such a good girl, good boy. You want to be a pet, but you're more of a toy. Human obedience training. Human obedience training. Everything is given to that child to, that's what you've got to think about. That's what you've got to do. This is how you get on in life. You know, you've got to get married, have 2.4 children, buy a house, buy a car, and uh, that's, that's what your life's going to be. Have a couple of holidays a year. That's it. That's your expectations. There's no, there's no, um, uh, you know, I'm sure that it happens, but um, you, you very rarely have parents say to the child when they're, you know, six or seven years old, what do you want to be in life? And whether, you know, the usual boys answers, I want to be a fireman or a pilot or, or whatever, policeman. Um, you know, and the, parent, the, the parents should turn around and say, well, hold on a minute, you're too young to decide that. You need to, you know, just think for yourself a bit, just spend a bit of time, uh, even if you have to go to the school, uh, go to the school, but, you know, don't, don't always take what they say as gospel. Don't, uh, don't believe everything they tell you and all that kind of thing. 
and I'm sure there are parents that do that. But as I say, the child's never given the opportunity to to go through life with the uh, with the the idea that they can actually choose what they want to do in life without uh, all these constraints that are put into their mind right from birth. You've, you've opened up the idea. You've opened up the subject of education now. That's yeah. a big one, isn't it? <laughs> Especially yeah. in these times. It's yeah. a yeah. It's indoctrination. A, it's, an it's indoctrination. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's kind of it's kind of stepped up to a crazy crazy level now. And uh, like mm-hmm. I saw, I mean, just uh, the all, all all the wokeness stuff, the the, the brainwashing, the sexualisation, uh, all of that stuff. And now in the UK, I saw this. This video by a lady called Tamura Yule, who talks a lot about smart cities and things, that um, the, uh, the, the a primary school in the UK, no, it wasn't a primary school, no, I'm wrong, it was thir- age 13 and up, they sent, the, the school sent an email out to parents to say that uh, you've got three days to actively opt out, and unless you do, we're now going to have AI teaching your kids. <laughs> so kids are going to be taught by, and obviously it's a largely a data collection exercise as well that could affect them for the rest of their lives. So they're going to be marked and scored on, on no doubt, you know, their social their credit, social credit basically. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Reimagine education, as Gates said. Oh God. Yeah. Well, it's, 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 it's now horrendous, isn't it? Um, yeah. What what is being taught and how and what it's actually doing to kids? Well, I, I um, as I say, I'm, a, I'm an Amazon driver, and uh, twice this week I have met somebody who I would, if I'd asked them, would identify as transgender. And one was a really kind of chubby guy, uh, I'd say early to mid twenties, with a, a black wig on and pigtails and mascara. And I thought, you ain't going to fool anybody, mate. You know. And he had to sign for the package, and his name was Juan. I thought you still ain't going to fool anybody with that name, you know. And I just and twice in a week, I'm thinking, what, what is going on with these people? What, how, how can they believe that anybody is going to take them seriously as as a, a man or a woman or whatever they decide to be? There's uh, a, a, a huge degree of delusion somewhere. Uh, absolutely, and, uh, and uh, it's a it's a cult of delusion. And again, like we were saying with the nurses, kind of must be reinforcing each other. They they all reinforce each other. So I I, I went on to I I, I learned that um, on Reddit there was this detransitioners group that was at the time I heard about it. They said it was forty thousand strong, and now it's like over fifty thousand people realizing they made a mistake, you know, and talking about it and talking about why and how. But if you search on detransitioners on Reddit now, you see so many. But the main thing that comes up is all these threads, and all these threads, most of, a lot of these threads that come up that aren't the actual detransitioners group, are all these hardcore, determined um, trans people who want to um, criticise and kind of cast aside and um, kind of call out as crazy the people who realise they've made a mistake and sort of and and also what one of them. Um, actually it came up a couple of times I think sharing some crazy statistic to say that something like oh, it's only like um, 0.25% of people that change you know I guess change their gender and whatever a lot of them will be doing the full thing downstairs uh, only, only 0.25% of them or something regret it and to me that's just unthinkable there, there must be well, huge numbers that regret it yeah, yeah. 
yeah, that's, that's I mean, it's, um, we're going to end up with some a, a very uh, angry generation at some point in the future. Yeah. Uh, very angry. And I, I was sitting here before, you, you know, if somebody, if I realised that somebody had conned me into doing something like that to myself, and it's dest- it will destroy your life. That's there's no doubt about it. It's going to destroy the lives, and uh, for a, a variety of reasons, I'd want to kill somebody. Uh, particularly the doctor did it to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've, I've got. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. There's a guy. Um, have you come across a guy called John Euler? No, not. Uh, no. He's um. He's, he's like a therapist who's worked with like the the most hardcore sex sex offenders for for okay. years. Um, and he talks a lot about the trans cult, and um, and yeah, he, he he shares some really um, some really interesting stuff. And I, I I've written a song actually from the position of a of a detransitioner who is mm-hmm. regretful, like a, a girl. Cause so many of them are girls that 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 do the irreversible thing, you know, before puberty. Have you yeah, published we've got a that song? Recently, and uh, the guy who died, his daughter uh, decided she wanted to be a boy. Uh, uh, him and the mother were split up for many, many years, and the the mother gave permission to do it without his knowledge. Now this this girl was at the funeral with a full beard, mm. and you know, it's, it's just incredible. And I, I just and you just think what. What is wrong with these? What, what's going? What, how can that person live with themselves? Like I, they don't know what they are. I mean, we we all we all identify as a, a man or a woman, right? I mean, that's that's normal. That's <laughs> was was normal. Um, it's real. That, it's real. Yeah, we we identify. We, we don't identify as as anything. That's what we are. We don't have to affirm it. We don't have to say, you know, I'm a man. Da da da. You know, um, we do men things and women do women things. You know, it's uh, that's the way it is. That's the way it's always been. Hunter gatherers, whatever, whatever our role in life is, and and yeah, there's going to, there's going to be um, you know variances in that. Some some women are more prone to some women like going hunting and fishing. You know, I mean, big deal. Doesn't matter. It doesn't make them less of a woman. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah gen- being gender conforming or not being gender conforming doesn't make you less of of what you are, and doesn't change like biological reality. Yeah, the whole thing is so like circular and lacking any basis, and it's insane. And, and it's insane that that again, all these people sit, seem to convince themselves that um, social contagion is is no part in, in 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 what they're going through, or what, or, or, or has been nothing to do with the massive explosion in this stuff over the last ten or so years. Whereas obviously, it's everything to do with it. Yeah. Do you remember in Life of Brian when they're, the revolutionaries are, are meeting there and they're discussing, I, I don't remember, oh, we're not, we're no longer the liberation front of the blah, blah, we're now the front of That's the liberation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then the one, one guy, I can't remember which uh, actor it was, but he showed up dressed as a woman and, and they, somebody said, you're not a woman, and he said, that's not fair. <laughs> and I, I mean, that's really where we are, you know, how, how farsighted they were, but we're in this world in which people want to change what is real into something unreal. And then they tell you, you know, if you disagree with them, you're a hater. Yeah. 
Well, I, I, I was in the petrol station, gas station here, and I, I mentioned before that nobody disagreed with my T-shirt. And I, I had the one on that I sent you, Paul, about the genders. And mm. uh, I had that on at the thing, and the, and the guy's looking at it, and he, he wasn't a very good-looking guy. He obviously had issues. Um, he, he's looking at this T-shirt, and I said, you can read it if you want. That's why I'm wearing it. So he read it and said, oh, you're entitled to your opinion. And I said, tell me. I said, if somebody's bisexual, uh, what does that mean? And he kind of looked at me. I says, it means they're attracted to both genders, which means two, right? And he kind of looked at me <laughs> yeah. with the glazed eyes. You know, and I said, I says, well, if there's only if there's only two, well, what, what are you talking about? What's what's your problem? What's your problem? And he just didn't get it. See, bi means two, right? You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's that. It's, it's interesting well, about the longer. Yeah. Sorry. I, I, the other part of that uh, that conversation was. Uh, if, if you or I went into the doctor, or a man or a woman, or a boy or girl went to doctors and asked to change gender, how many choices would you get? One. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. They wouldn't say, well, we can make you a giraffe tomorrow if you like. You know. They might. Well, they might in the future, yeah. Uh, the <laughs> island of Dr. Moreau, we'll send you there. Yeah, you can come back as a monkey. <laughs> yeah, whatever. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the simple arguments you can put to these people, and they have no answer. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's anyway, a, it's a, yeah, it's, it's just one other way in which, yeah, society's being twisted and minds are being twisted, isn't it? Well, in the in the song "I'm a Woman," you you went into that because people are taking advantage of it as well. Autogenophilia. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a big, big, big driver of it. And uh, John John Euler talks a lot about it as well. And um, you know, like a really high proportion of the um, the trans women in prison are, are in there for sex offences, aren't they? In the first place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, we mentioned one here that uh, the guy was uh, he'd been in prison for twenty odd years or something, or thirty years. And uh, he was on a soapbox in, in Piccadilly Square, I think it was, in London, and shouting about uh, killing the uh, killing the normies or killing the you know the people that disagreed with him. And that guy had uh, been guilty of abducting people, um, serious um, uh, bodily harm and stuff like that. And as I said, on I, I think it was on this video yeah, a few months it was, ago. Yeah. And yeah, and uh, the, for somebody to be in prison for 30 years nowadays is very unusual. He must have done something really, really serious. 30 know, years? 30 years, yeah. yeah. Wow, yeah. And, and he was on the soapbox in London shouting about killing people. 
Oh, how, how's he not arrested? He was, he was in a frock, of course, so he probably couldn't be arrested. One of the strategies of global tyranny, global international communism, however you want to describe what we're going through now, one of, one of the strategies is letting loose the nihilists. And what did they do during COVID? All countries, we've talked about this before, they let prisoners out of prison because of COVID. They, they couldn't manage the situation. They, you know, there are all kinds of excuses we got, but every country that I looked at had done this. It happened in the UK. It happened in Canada. It happened in the US. So large numbers of prison population were released and many of them never went back to prison. It was an early release. So, and part of this, we haven't even seen the outcome yet, but they have unleashed the, you know, the criminal mentality and the nihilists on the general population that, that are well, that, still in the general population. Yeah, that was, that was for their safety, not ours. Exactly. Right. Yes. <laughs> in case they got the sniffles. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, re- release the axe murderer in case he gets the sniffles and uh, yeah. let him just roam around the countryside with an axe. Yeah. And, and it's ab- <laughs> this is absolute strategy. You know, it's part, part of the strategy is constant fear and terror, but people can't be allowed to breathe easy as they implement all of these wild changes. The woke is part of it, but the sustainability, the green agenda and everything that goes on with that is, that's going to be the next big stick. Because oh, they I will, mean, just yeah. the way that we've had COVID lockdowns, we'll have climate lockdowns. Sure. Yeah. It's such a multifaceted attack, isn't it? It is. It is. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. When um, did I, you... I was, uh, uh, I was sorry, on. I was just going to ask, no, go I was going to ask you when you wrote 15 Minutes City. I think uh, early this year, February... February, March this year. That's 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 my biggest hit uh, in terms of like uh, you know views, uh, listens. Like on YouTube, I think it's got about three and a half thousand. Oh, great! Quite by far the biggest. That's yeah. fantastic. I think, I think that's probably because the issues come up quite yeah. a lot. I don't know if you heard of Sandy Wicks, have you? Sandy Wicks. Uh, Sandy, Sandy Adams. Sandy, Sandy Adams. Adams. Yes, I have. Yes, yeah. I have. I interviewed her a few times, met her a couple of times. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, she's highlighted a lot of that stuff and uh, what's going on in Oxford and stuff. So maybe that explains that. But uh, maybe you should look for the current trend and write a song about that and you'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, there's always plenty of um, there's plenty of annoying, disturbing things always happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that that one had kind of come up a bit in the in the. It, even even the mainstream news and whatever, I, I, I believe it's just been talked. It's been talked about so much. So yeah, the, the timing of that was guess guess fortunate. But but I think it I think it you know, it, it, it went down well. Like out of one criticism, somebody called me a charisma less Sean Ryder. Do you, do you know Sean Ryder? No. Mm, no. He's the singer from the Happy Mondays. Oh yeah, I was, I was the first, well, yeah, Sean Ryder, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a Mancunian. Um, so yeah, I, 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 so the 15 minutes is the only one where I can think of where somebody kind of slagged me off for my inverted commas singing. 
But um, I think generally pe- pe- people said um, it, it kind of captured the um, it, it had quite a dark, miserable mood to it. But it's still kind of foot tappable as well. The road rage kicks in. This is the life we're used to. But what if life could look like this? An oasis of green parks, endless sidewalks, and empty roads. Impossible? Well, it's actually the concept behind the 15-minute city. In the days where they're all okay, those plans in place for you. Pretty soon the truth's gotta hit you. A bolt out to the blue. Will you ask yourself and will you wonder why did we all not for you? They've been so slow and gradual, so patient training you. They've numbed you and they've dumbed you down. Some Part of you knows that's true Do you care what's in that contract Between the state and you And while they lock you up And tie you down Why'd you let them blindfold you Low impact, compact living Looks like what's in store for you All they say you need It'll all be there All laid out for you and travel Only essentials now for you You don't have nowhere else you need to be Do you? Fifteen minute city Fifteen minute life All that you need within it What's not to like Fifteen minute city so tight, let's call it what it is. You'll be in prison serving life. They spooked you perfectly with their spoof emergency. Gotta prevent catastrophe. That's their so familiar plea. Now the future rests on you, good slave. Your compliance will be the key. They say you'll save Mother Earth and you'll save humanity. They sell your cage like it's so cool, a place you'll wanna be. With fresher air and no pollution, open spaces, greenery. And those things you've hungered so much for, they'll tell you that they'll be. Closeness and cohesion of something called community. Your CBDC balance will update incessantly and only grow when you show how submissive you can be. Pass it out, they are a privilege and issue sparingly. They can't permit you inmates to. 
It's, it's, as I say, like I've said it many times, nobody will react to anything unless it happens to them. They'll, they'll quite happily sit by and watch their neighbours going down the toilet with the, you know, um, bankruptcy or whatever it may be, or they just lost their job or they're losing the house, and you know they'll think that'll never happen to me until it happens to them, and then they go, oh, you know. But they'll never admit they were wrong. They will never admit that you were right. And you know, I, I've said to many people over the, the years, especially since I've been here, like. A, Spoke to most. I say I go down to a little bar now and again on a Saturday just to just to try and find out what's in the public's head because it's the only place you can find out. You know, sitting around the bar and listen to them and uh, talk to them and stuff. And uh, I said many things to them, and then when it happens, you know, I say I hate it, and, and they'll bring something up, and I'll I'll say, well, you know, don't you remember me mentioning that like a year and a half ago? No, <laughs> no, you never said that. Yeah. I said, well, yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did, and it's happening. You know, and then when the 15 minute cities thing came up, the first one here in Florida was uh, Fort Myers. And it was well advertised, and uh, I'd spoken to this guy probably a year before. And I said, I brought up on the, the phone, I said, Yeah, here's your 15 minute city. I remember I mentioned that to you? No, you didn't. <laughs> you know, it's total deniability of, of anything that they've, they've heard. It's almost like uh, they've got a shut off switch. You know, you may be saying something to them that's factually correct, but they just switch off and don't take it in at all, or they just lie. The psychology of that, remember, Neil, that Alan talked about that a lot, is that you're not wearing a suit and tie, you're not behind, a, a, you know, in front of the blue screen as the news anchor, you're not a politician that they can trust, you know. It, they they will listen to something from a, a, an official in a suit and tie, but they're not going to listen to the guy on the soapbox in the middle of the park who's just screaming, you know, look, well, we're, we're screwed. I, yeah, I don't, I don't scream at them. I, just, I laugh. I laugh. Well, I, yeah, but I mean, the you point know? is, is that you're not official, so they can no, easily no, deny no. you. Yeah. I'm the official conspiracy theorist. In the yeah, bar, that's, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. <laughs> 
but um, yeah, and and uh, you know, some of them have uh, died over the last few years, and I just I just don't say anything mm-hmm. anymore about that. But one guy I speak to quite a lot, he had um, both his knees uh, replaced, right, knee surgery, and uh, then and openly telling me he's taking all the shots and everything, and suddenly he had this big problem with one of his knees, and I I. I went to the bathroom or something, and I, I, I got the phone, I looked up this thing, da, 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 about knee surgery and stuff like that, and within, like, a couple of minutes, I brought up this thing, uh, he told me he'd had, the doctor had told him what the problem was, and I said, here you go, this can be caused by vaccines. I said, maybe you should ask your doctor about that, but he's unlikely to tell you that, but um, you could at least ask him, and maybe they can do something about that, mm-hmm. and he just would not believe it, and I showed him, it was from PubMed or something, it was on an official, you know, journal site or something. I said, there you go, here's the abstract, here's the scientific study, you know. Ah, uh, that can't be true. And if, if he asks his doctor, and, it, it, and when his doctor says, oh, no, it's nothing to do with that, oh, it's absolutely no, nothing to do with yeah. that whatsoever, then he'll be relieved at being told mm-hmm. that. That's right. Yeah. He'll be, he'll be more relieved to have no answer than, than have the truth, the ugly truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, not necessarily there was the truth, but it was a, it was a possibility. Mm-hmm. It was a yeah, possibility. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Uh, he wouldn't even entertain that. But uh, there you go. You can't. You, you can only help people so much. And uh, once, you know, I, I kind of get to the stage where you, you've tried to help people. You maybe, you know, it's like three strikes and you're out, right? You, you try two or three times and you go, this person just isn't going to listen. So I, I may as well just uh, not bother. What I wanted to get have you talk about a little bit was your your audience, your reach, uh, and how you feel about the people that you're getting through to, because it's, it's a small-ish audience, and you're, you know, a lot of your songs have a few hundred downloads or listens, but, you know, the, the one we just mentioned, 15 Minute City, was well-received. But for me, even though I'm, I'm you know, I don't have a huge reach, I, yes, I want to help people. I want to share what I know, but I'm also doing this for myself because it's the right thing to do. And I think that a lot of people get discouraged when they say, oh, well, I'll never, you know, we can't turn this around or we don't have a big reach, but we don't know the ripple effect of one action or one thought that we put out into the universe. And, you know, I, I do it for me because I couldn't live with myself to know what I know and, and not do anything. So I just wanted to well, know then, how you feel then, about, you know. Well, that, then you become like one of those doctors. Yes. Right? Yeah. So that, I guess yeah. that's the, the analogy or the, or the nurses or people that know what's going on and they just say, and oh, they, I ain't going to cross that line. So I, I guess I wanted to ask you about, you know, your your frame of mind about as it, because last night I, li- I watched or listened to the career update that you put out. Oh, yeah. And I, you know, I thought it was good. I, I liked the whole thing, but your, your reach as with mo, as with anyone who is not authorized and is telling the truth, our reach is small. And I wanted to know where you're, head is on that you know are you still fully engaged with this no matter what I do just feel compelled 
to do it. It's a, it's a kind of a bit of an addiction. It's, it's so many things, you know, if, if there's a kind of short term song to song thing, sometimes I get something, I go, I think this could be really good. And it could be said in, in a way that all my songs are about the same thing, but they actually, they've all got a bit of a different angle. And I'm interested in, I guess I've got this naive hope that by finding a different angle or an analogy or a metaphor or simile or whatever, it can, it, it, it might, it might either, I don't know, just, just add a little bit of something to someone's feeling of being bolstered and firm in their own beliefs and um, and whatever it just it, it just might in its tiny 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 little way kind of affect individuals and make them feel a bit boosted and I've seen evidence that it has done that for some people so that's a kind of motivation and just kind of finding that different or pursuing um, making making materialize a new uh, song with a new angle and maybe something new musically about it so it's just kind of this song to song motivation that keeps me going I guess and mm-hmm. in terms of like yeah the 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 reach the coverage has been kind of yeah a bit disappointing for 30 odd songs after all this time and all the effort and time that goes in but it's starting to it seems to as, as I was saying in that video it's starting to um uh point a bit more upwards and it, there is there is an aspect of that you know with even putting aside the the possibility that I might be shadow banned and suppressed and whatever not not liked by the algorithms of of the big tech companies which is very likely if not definite putting that aside though you could still expect starting off from a standing start with no audience no reach no live gigs no nothing um, it's gonna be slow to start with and then and then things can gather momentum and you know they could gather momentum faster and faster after a certain mm-hmm. point and things start to point up as I'm kind of you know there have been a few sniffs of interest lately so um, I just in a way I'll, I'll take it as it comes and I'll I don't think I can stop doing it so I'll just do what I can do and and see what happens good yeah I, I know Why what not? you mean about it being an addiction because you know I, I feel that way it's like the uh, the idea that I might not be able to do this because of some obstacle some financial obstacle or setback is just I, I actually can't cope with that it's like no I must do this <laughs> so um, well, yeah. it's like you say you can't you can't unknow what you know right that's you right um, and you if you don't do something with it then as I say it's just as bad as those uh, doctors and nurses who were dancing around the hospitals because there's nothing to do yeah. It's yeah. there's all there's also something too about the unauthorized voice. Uh, you know, Alan used to give me this visual image of all of the words that are spoken or sung or written. He'd say, let's just say, you know, way up there, if, if you believe in space and the moon, then the words that have been spoken and shared publicly, they go up to the moon and back and up and back and up and back. And he'd say, you know, thousands, millions of times. And he said, and how many of those words matter? And 
I, I don't have a lot of time for listening to music, but Ed Sheeran, and I, I don't, I don't want to just go slamming people or slaying it in trash talk, but it's a name I've heard and heard and heard. Oh, he's the big thing. And so the other day I said, well, okay, I'm going to check it out. And I just have to share with you that I found nothing worthwhile in the music. But it's got such a huge reach, and of course that's authorized and it's promoted and there's a big machine there. And I can see certain charms, just like you said about Oliver Anthony, I can see it. But when I listen to the music and what is being said, I think, why? Why bother? But people... yeah. Yeah, they want that feel-good thing to to have their thoughts provoked. They're they're just not interested in. I think their, their expectations have been lowered to such a degree that they celebrate mediocrity. Uh, and uh, yeah. most of this stuff is mediocre at best, if not just drivel. Yeah. You know, there's no there's no uh, there's no reality to it. There's no um, real sentiment to it. No. You know, whatever that. Sheeran singing these these. Uh, I, th- I remember him when he first came out. I think yeah. was he, is he he's Irish, isn't he? And, no, uh, I think he's. No, I don't think he? so. I know. I think no, he's okay. from, maybe from home counties or something like that. Yeah, oh, right, okay. Southern England. He's got a, he's got that Southern England accent. Oh, right. well, he's, he was very very young and he's singing all these love songs. And I'm thinking, what what's this guy know about it? Yeah. He's too young to have all these experiences. So somebody's writing the songs for him, right? He ain't writing them himself. And then well, he's just, he's just writing them in a in a kind of formulaic. This is this is the kind of thing you you write a hit song about. Yeah, um, told to do it. Yeah. And this was yeah. some concert, and then he said to the audience, he's got his acoustic guitar, and he said to the audience, "Well, this is all live. Nothing is pre-recorded." And then he explained to them that he had this thing. It was some kind of a a loop. I don't remember now what it was yeah. called. Yeah, loop pedal. Yeah, yeah, a loop pedal. And then he he demonstrated so he played a little riff and then he played it back to them on the loop pedal and then he added and he overlaid and it's like no sunshine a live performance is when you go out there with your acoustic guitar and you play a song from the heart that's that's a live show what you're doing is recorded loops i don't care what you call it you know and in you're layering them and layering them and layering. So, but the point is not to argue about that. The point is, it's a shtick, and this is what the what the public have been trained to respond to, like Pavlov's dogs. It's like the you know the laugh track on a situation comedy. This is where you laugh. This is where you feel. This is where I tug your heartstrings. This is where we sing about love and, you know, all of the stuff that goes in there. So I, I think that true protest from the heart and then the mind there that has something meaningful to say, that kind of music is for right off the bat, a limited audience. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, that, that, um, what you're describing, and you know, my kids listen to Ed Sheeran and Taylor Swift and so on, so I hear that stuff fairly regularly. But you know, I I, I know I know what it's it's very very samey, and the lyrics mean nothing, or they're about really kind of light, incidental, meaningless, personal stuff, day to day, and and whatever. But it 
they are Ed Sheeran is as successful as because he does that stuff and that's what the system wants to mm-hmm. that's what the system wants everyone listening to so you know you, you have to be that successful you have to be doing vacuous music like that and I'd even extend that to to good old Oliver Anthony his stuff's a, you know it's obviously different in style and and he's he's got this image of the the authentic hillbilly with integrity and that's that's obviously reeled a few people in really has combined with whatever promotion has been going on behind the scenes uh, but but I kind of I think there's similarities there he's not perhaps quite as obviously vacuous as as Ed Sheeran but yeah that's I, I but I, I fully accept what you're saying and that, that that my stuff will always have a very limited potential audience and not least I do acknowledge as well I can't sing that doesn't help either but <laughs> Oh, I yeah. dis- I disagree. I I, I, I disagree. <laughs> I do. I'm sorry. I was at an open mic session once, right? And uh, I wasn't I wasn't uh, performing in it. But there was a guy there, and he had a a guy who was his friend who was trying to promote him, and uh, he did his bit. And it was I can't remember the song, but it was, it was a well-known song. And he was standing behind me, and he he was saying his uh, his a manager guy, do you think, how do you think that went? Da, da, da. And he said, I don't think I sang that very well. And, da, da, da. and I turned around and said, you know what? He says, your biggest problem is he sang something that everybody knew. If you sung something that was a slightly less well-known and you sang it well, rather than trying to sing a song that you couldn't sing, you'd have gotten along better. You know, and he, he kind of looked at me. I says, well, you know, if you sing something that everybody knows, they're going to expect it to sound exactly like that. And you'll never be able to do that. Yeah. And yeah. I think... You know, I think that the Ed Sheeran type of character, they, they picked they picked him for what he can do and say, right, here's what you're going to get, here's what you're going to get, this is what you're going to sing, this is what this is what the people want, uh, and uh, we'll make you famous. There you go. But the the idea that somebody just shoots up, I mean, and they're saying, well, Oliver Anthony is an internet sensation. You know, he started, he got a big audience, and and my position on this is no, that is not how it happened. He was launched with intention on the internet. Oh, yeah. This, this was their way of launching it. So, and then they can say, oh, you know, the people have spoken. Just, I think you actually said the people have spoken in the, the piece that you did on him, but that this is how it is done. And all of the coverage, and I mean massive coverage that he has received, I think Rolling Stone, Twice, perhaps, Los Angeles Times, New York Times, Forbes, um, the the different uh, variety, which is a Hollywood magazine, and the uh, I, music I, industry. I well, they're all promoting him, and people, magazines and papers don't do that. I don't. I don't. I don't think he's uh, he's been promoted to all of the American public. I think he's been promoted to the Republican side of it. I think he's he's uh, he's probably um, got the Trump supporters going along to his concerts and things because that's the kind of uh, background I would imagine he has. I don't think he's a, a left-wing liberal. I, I'm not so sure about that because, well, first of all, the piece that put up yesterday, a few days ago, whenever on his site, the, the career update, he you showed a little tweet that he had made supporting Biden. Now, he yeah. he said that. He said I you know, I stand behind he's my president, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. 
And none of those publications that I have mentioned, not one of them is aimed at a Trump-supporting conservative Republican or whatever. None of them. They are all mainstream. And I think it's safe to say that American mainstream press is liberal-leaning, left-leaning. So he is being promoted internationally, but within the states, he's being promoted to everyone. And I think the headline that I saw not too long ago in the New York Times said, Democrats better not write him off or something to that effect. You know, in other words, Mm. the the left needs to take him seriously. So I think you summed it up beautifully in that piece that you put out a while back when you said, you think that he is being used for purposes that he doesn't understand, and you're, I believe you're dead on. Apologies, I didn't see that tweet, so that's my mistake. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it was, um, I believe it was a Facebook post, actually, oh, that okay. he put up. Um, but I think it's been scrubbed, and I think he denies, he denies supporting Biden. So if you look at, um, look now for, you know, Oliver Anthony supports Biden or something, you get these mainstream media articles saying that he denies it and stuff. But I think, yeah, he, he's. it's also a really quite, it comes across, I mean, I don't know whether it's actually authentic, it comes across as a bit like weirdly written and a bit like somebody wrote it who's a bit thick and it might not be genuine, but it might be that that's where he was at then and then he had some kind of conversation with somebody that's going to be very influential in his career and like this this needs to be what this this is the kind of song that needs to be done now and is going to is going to break you through we've we've got a plan uh for your for your career and this this is how it's going to be so of course even even now he's you know he's very very careful to say i'm neither right nor left i'm a centrist mm-hmm. this gives him the option to go either way um in the future but he's, he's so you know so clearly trying to say you know, leave me out of politics, leave me out of politics. And yet, of course, in his view, it's all about the rich men north of Richmond. Um, it's there's so much of it that I just don't buy. No, did but either maybe, of you maybe, see... Maybe I'll get a gig at the Democratic Convention. Absolutely. I could see, <laughs> see the way he's being positioned, he could easily sing at an event that features RFK Jr. You know, that it, it, it's, yeah. it's completely middle of the road. Did either However, of you ever? He's, oh, he's, go never ahead. Said, he's never said a word about. He's never said a word about the the jibby jabs, has he? Of course not. <laughs> yeah, of course That's not. off the it's table. Yeah. Did either yeah. of you ever see an old movie that was made in the late fifties called A Face in the Crowd? I, I recall the title, but I never saw it. I don't think. Okay, it's it's Andy Griffith who is you know was known for the I think the Andy Griffith Show kind of uh, bubblegum mainstream American television, but this is a movie that I know about because of Alan and I, I watched it with him and it's quite good and the the story is there's a drunk who just kind of goes around in bars and hangs out with his guitar. And he strums a little bit, but mostly he just gets drunk and gets into trouble. Well, a savvy television producer spots him, cleans him up, and she turned him into the singing down-home aw shucks sensation that she needed. Shot The rating shot right up. It becomes a huge hit. 
and then he is used for all manner of things, including political endorsements. Mm. And so you see the it's it's a cynical view of how it works. But when I was re, uh, looking at your piece that you did, the career update, I thought of that in in regards to Oliver Anthony because. He rises all the way to the top. He's got the money, the acclaim, and everything. And it goes to his head, and of course, he blew it. And I think in the final scene, the producer says, "Well, you'll still work on television, and you know, you know, you'll still have this and that, but you will never again be at that peak. That's over." So, and that it, yeah. it, when you look at entertainment, authorized entertainment, you're looking at a giant machine. And the machine has people who operate it, and they they've got to you know keep it f- uh, fueled, so to speak, with talent, or what they tell us is talent. Well, I, I, I mean, it's, uh, you could you could go back to like the the big thing of my day when I was a teenager, teenager, eighteen, nineteen, whatever, but sixteen, seventeen. The, the Sex Pistols, right? John Lydon, mm-hmm. the Sex Pistols, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you find out in his own writing that he was, he was going to parties in the House of Parliament before he was even, even heard of. Like, what was he doing there? He never actually says, but um, he was at parties. He was obviously a child at the time um, in the House of Parliament. And uh, nobody's questioned him about it, what he did, what, what he was doing there. And then, of course, he comes out and uh, one of the uh, interviewers asked him about, um, you talk about killing people, you know, who, who would you like to kill? And he says, Jimmy Savile. He's up to all sorts of nonsense. Yeah. Back in the seventies, they said that. And how long do we have to wait to find out about Jimmy Savile? Uh-huh. But um, th- and then then he goes on that um, that clown show. What's um, uh, I'm, a jungle, get out. I'm a celebrity. Yeah. Get me out of the jungle or whatever it was. And he drives off in a Rolls Royce. And you mm-hmm. think, hold on a minute, this this guy's supposed to be a punk icon, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, tattered clothes and all that, speaking for the people, God save the Queen and all that. And uh, you just think, well. You know, there's something wrong here. Yeah, I, I have been quite a big fan of John Lydon. Um, uh, me, me, me and a good mate had, um, a, we really kind of bonded over the album, That What Is Not, uh, Public Image album, 1990, I think it was, yeah. um, which is a really good album of, of theirs. And, um, and, and yeah, I, I liked, I, I was drawn into, and yeah, I, I thought generally, I, pref- I swing about with it. I prefer to think of him as as having had some genuine aspects to him. But yeah, that that kind of thing. He's you've got to be suspicious about what he was there placed to do, and and uh, it, the, even the fact that his wife was like an heiress, wasn't she? She was super rich. Um, so he, he married into money like quite early on. I think while he was, well, very soon after Sex Pistols split up, but she was with him while he was still in Sex Pistols. I think. So yeah, there are. It's not um There are questions to wonder about, aren't there, with John Lydon? Yeah. Well, the same with um, Bob Geldof. Mm-hmm. Didn't uh, didn't Alan mention he he owned the or his family owned the Yellow Pages at one time? I think so. In America. Yeah. yeah. Was it? Wow. I don't He's remember now the business, but it was there was a, a big business. You know, there they were. Yeah, and it very was before well he was ever heard of. Yeah. And they, they came across the Boomtown Rats came across as this, this bunch of poor guys from Belfast. Northern Ireland, and it was nothing mm. of the sort. And, and now look what he's doing. Yeah. You know, he's in the UN and all these things, like Bono, that yeah. uh, Mister O'Nob, as uh, <laughs> some some 
somebody in the music <laughs> industry I know calls him Mr. O'Nob. And uh, and he, he, he met he met him at a, a thing, a music thing, and he had this bodyguard with him and he and this uh, friend of mine, musician guy, uh, very well known, but um, sp- has spoken out on the same issues we were talking about. It said it got into a kind of a, a heated argument with him, and his bodyguard came over, rolled up his sleeve, and showed him his uh, his inverted pyramid with the one eye on it. And says, "You don't know who you're talking to," mm. and then threatened him basically. So you get away. Mm. So that's that's you, uh, Mister Onobis. And yeah, I'd, I'd I've never liked Mister Onob. No, no. Geldof. No, no. Me neither. All these people. No. I, I, you, I mean, you, you say you're not a good singer. What about Bob Geldof? He couldn't string a note together if he tried. Yeah, he's not the best, is he? Mm. He's, he's one of the worst. It's <laughs> 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 one of the worst. I just talked about. Um, you talked earlier about um, uh, Ed Sheeran, Melissa, and uh, he puts these loops over and all this kind of thing. I, I went to see the Pogues, right? Mm-hmm. And way oh, back. there's a band. Yeah, the Pogues. And you only ever saw six or seven of them on the album covers. That's it. You went to their gigs, there was 20 of them on stage. That's how many it took mm-hmm. to, to play that music live. Mm-hmm. And there, there you've got that clown Ed Sheeran sitting there with a like, loop machine pressing pedals, mm-hmm. thinking he's a, he's a live musician. <laughs> it's yeah. nothing of the sort. No. If you can hear anything right now, it's, it's me ticking off or crossing out um, the idea of uh, using a loop machine at, at my first live gigs. <laughs> I've, I've got feedback from you guys that that's not a good idea. Okay. Well, I was, I was, that's just not cool. Gigs, uh, you, you better get some uh, older band, mem- band members because the young ones clearly didn't work out for you. Yeah. Yeah, See, yeah, when, yeah. when you're talking about singing now, and I, I, I'm not into flattery, that's not what I'm doing here, but I'm talking about as a listener to the sound of someone's voice. And so when I'm listening to your songs and your music, I'm listening to whatever's going on there musically and also the lyrics, but I'm also listening to the sound of your voice. And so it's not just pitch and timbre, but it's also timing. And I hear a musicality, I'm sorry to say it that way, but when you speak, when you spoke about Oliver Anthony, all I can say was that the musicality of your voice came through to me, the listening audience, because it's timing, it's the pause, it's the the thoughtful pause, and that you, you, whatever that is that you have, you incorporate that into the songs that you write. So there's unexpected well, I, timing. and I was, I was going to say earlier when I was talking about the guy singing this, uh, a, a lesser-known song well rather than a good one badly, I, I think the voice goes with the music. That's, mm-hmm. it, it matches music, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's not good or bad singing. It goes with the, the actual music that's that you're right. playing. It's, it, and that's, it's, that's, that's what matters. It has integrity. Matters. If you think of the word integrity as meaning of a whole or the wholeness of something, that's what your music has. It's the whole you that comes through and what you create. I don't even Thank know you. you. So that, 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 that is what I'm going for, yeah. yeah obviously, I, I know I'm not a technically good singer. My voice just breaks all over the place. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's all genuine, so glad, glad, glad to hear that comes across. Well, I used to be a soprano in the school choir, and uh, my voice broke, and I was so happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got, you've got quite a serious deep voice, haven't you? Uh, well, uh, I, I, I'm probably talking too much. 
Mm. To, to people who don't want to listen, you know, <laughs> listen, will you listen? Yeah. But, well, uh, I, tell no, you, uh, I tell you what, we're going to plug in plenty of your music here, either, you know, some a few clips of them. And I think I see a place uh, just listening to it. I would like people to hear the whole song in a couple of places. So we'll do that. And then hopefully you'll want to send a few visuals of whatever that you'd like to see included. But before we wrap it up, I I want to know if there's anything that you wanted to talk about that we haven't given you a chance to speak about. It's been a good conversation. It's been great. It's been nice speaking to you both. Um, There probably are loads of things that we could talk about and could get more into, but maybe we can do this again. I would love that, Neil. I, I know I you would too. The same because I, I, I mentioned to you earlier some of the like, we may discuss a few articles and stuff, but uh, mm. obviously, obviously we're not had time to do that. We've been going through other things. But uh, as I said to you before, we go off on tangents and it doesn't really matter. It's always a good conversation. But um, there's certainly uh, a lot of scope for further talks for sure. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay. Great. That's well, that's one other question I have for you. I've heard you mention a few times that you want to start your own podcast. Is that uh, something that you see getting off the ground sooner than later? Yeah, Angry North's Mad World. Yeah. Oh, great. It's, I think it's, I've, I've toyed a bit back and forth with that as a name, but yeah, I think that's a good one. Um, yeah, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm aiming to put the first one out in a week or two, within a week or two. Great. Uh, I don't, I don't know how to do it in terms of whether to use these, um, uh, you know, actually distribute it through these, these podcast, uh, aggregators or whatever. Uh, like Pod, Podbean, seeing as one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, rather than just putting it on YouTube and BitChute and Odyssey, actually put it out through the podcast, um, distributing. Network. Well, yeah. I'll tell you, yeah. you know, if, um, Alan did the first, you know, the, uh, it was iTunes, Apple iTunes was the standard and, and actually Apple podcast still is a standard for years and years. So if you just do a little bit of research on it, it's pretty simple and we can talk about that later, but if you make it the Apple standard, then a lot of these aggregators will pick it up without you having to do anything. So you, you put it out in the XML and RSS form that is, you know, the industry standard, and then Podbean will pick you up, and Spotify, and who who else is out there? There's a few, and they'll just start to pick it up. You you have to go on, you, you know, you have to go on there and put your little icon on there and say, oh, here I am. But from then on, it's an, you know, once you set up, you know, Angry North's Mad World page, it's automatic. You have to do nothing, which is good for me because I'm kind of technically retarded. So the less I have to. (laughs) You just broke up there as you were saying that. Uh, you know, once you, once you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, technically retarded. Um, when, you know, once you do the, you know, here's my, this is my podcast logo and this is my podcast title and here's my first podcast. Once you put that out into the world, the aggregators come like hungry sharks and pick you up and you never have to think about it again. Okay, cool. Yeah. On, on another note, I was uh, I, I said to Melissa a while ago. I said it's a pity I don't know some musicians here because we could start a tribute band for you called uh, Angry South and, and Biden's Bitches. 
<laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah. I don't or know just, any or, or just, uh, you know, I think Angry Scott would be... Well... Right. <laughs> you, so you put that, uh, uh, an image of you guys are talking... And yeah. I kill everybody. Uh, yeah. Angry Scott, yeah. now you're just being redundant. What? I said now he's just being redundant. Angry and Scots. Ah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you don't need the both words, do you? Yeah, no. It's, it's a Scot. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. If you just say you're Scottish, then right away everybody goes, ah, allergy to tyranny. Well, you know what? People here think I'm Australian, and I keep saying to them, uh, <laughs> Mel Gibson's got a lot to answer for. And they, they don't understand. I say, have you seen Braveheart? Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I thought, I thought he was Scottish. I'm like, oh, jeez. There we go. Well. We were up in Scotland a couple of years ago, and I wish more people up there were like Braveheart. Um, no, because, yeah. Um, yeah, unfortunately, there, there was one, we stayed near Inverary, and the okay. chippy in Inverary was <laughs> run by a couple of, uh, I think they were brothers, and they were awake, and they mm. spoke some sense. They really did. Everywhere else we went, uh, it, was, it was it was painful. Uh-huh. I guess it was 2021, so it was soon after, you know. But same with Wales as well. Wales was probably worse. I think we were there in 2021 as well. Both places we found um, to be maybe even worse than England, unfortunately. Uh-huh. Mm. Oh, well, Ireland's sad. just gone down the toilet completely. Yeah. Um, what's going on there? But um, anyway, that's another story. For next well, time, maybe. Yes, yeah. well, we will yeah. definitely have you back, and, and thank you so much for taking the time, and we were really looking forward to this because I've, I was just happy to know about your music from Neil, so I'm, I'm hoping thank you. that Thank everybody... you very much, very much mm-hmm. for having me, uh, for the invitation. It's great. Uh, well, I, I'm, an, I'm an old punk, uh, as you may have guessed, and uh, I'm looking forward to I've not listened to this yet. I should have went to the site sooner. Building Back Better by Angry Northern Bosses, but she's a punk version. I'm going to listen to that right after this. Okay. All right, well... <laughs> punk version? For... Yeah, it says punk version. Outstanding, it says. What, who, put... where, where's this? Uh, I'll just put in the search, Angry Northern Bosses Bitches, uh, newest first, and the, the career update thing there. And uh, it's the second one on that link. I'll send you a link right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's so, 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 so only one version of the song, I think, but, um, yeah. It says punk version outstanding, so uh, did somebody do a, a, a remake? Maybe somebody did a re- repost of it or something. Ah. Well, maybe not yeah. reposted it, but maybe uh, done a cover or something. Maybe oh, yeah, a first cover be. version. <laughs> <laughs> You're in the big time now. For everyone listening, I hope that you have enjoyed this. I've had a great time. I always do when I'm talking to Neil. Thanks, everybody. Please tune in next week. And I don't know what's happening next week, so you'll just have to be surprised with me. Thanks so much. Well, I've got something that the world 